The following is a presentation of Hogeye Sports Radio and is produced by Flat Creek Productions. Hey man, turn on the radio. Let's hear some tunes. From deep in the heart of Hogeye country, this is the Hogeye Sports Show. Oh, baby, they're lining it up. Is that all this thing will pick up? Of course. It's Hogeye Sports Radio. fans welcome into another exciting episode of the hog eye sports show michael johnson and josh scott here recording live from the center of the hog eye universe tonight at beautiful livingston academy high school uh, just before a big district 8 AA basketball clash between the livingston academy wildcats and the upperman bees so it's been a while since we recorded our last episode We've got several basketball games to uh, update and talk about. and But before we get started tonight, we're going to do a new segment uh, that we hope to start each week, and that is This Week in the World of Sports Outside of Livingston Academy. So, Josh, what, what happened this week in, the, in any kind of sport that you want to talk about? Well, anybody that knows me knows I'm a big Tennessee football fan, Tennessee athletics in general. Basketball seems to be rolling. Um, I don't know, did you guys see that Kansas game last week? Yes. Very good basketball game. Great game. On the men's side. I think they've got a Final Four team. Absolutely. I really feel like the way. That was a Final Four game. That I was think. a Final Four game for sure. Um, and that's something that if they made it to the Final Four, it would never been done before. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they hired Rick Barnes, thought that that was a retirement job. And look at what he's done. Uh, he's landed the number one player in the nation uh, for next year. So, interested to see that. But I'm just, the weather's turning cold. That means it's a freeze, and I really think that Tennessee is going to finally make a home run hire in a coordinator uh, with Hugh Freeze. Today's Friday. Um, I read this morning that the SEC had put a guideline on his, um, I guess, ban, that if he was hired before November 30th, today, that he had to serve a two-game suspension in the SEC play for the following season. Well... I think that Philip Former and Jeremy Pruitt are very knowledgeable of that. I know that the conversations have taken place. If you know me, if you if you follow me on Twitter and stuff, I, I have some contacts still up there, um, and I talked to one today. They've had a conversation. The job is has not been offered, but it's one of those things that he's the number one. They're going to go to their do, do their due diligence. They've hired. They've already talked to Chip Lindsey. Um, they're going to talk to the guy from NC State. But it's, oh, man, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm, I'm smiling at that. You've got on one side of the ball, you've got Jerry Pruitt, one of the best defensive minds in the land. And on the other side, I don't, morals are morals, and I get it. But strictly football, one of the best offensive minds in the country, a guy that's beaten Nick Saban in his own game. You know, at Ole Miss, he was highly successful against Nick Saban. So you get a guy like that after the, after the, the just – I don't know what you call it, a walkabout 
Tennessee athletics, Tennessee football has been on for the last 10 years, to even think about having a competent defensive co- defensive coach, defensive coordinator, head coach, and a very competent offensive coordinator, it just makes my day. Mm-hmm. You know, so. It'd be good to see Tennessee win some games and, and enjoy watching Tennessee football again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how hard has it been? It's a chore. It is. It's like you – at some point you're numb to it. Like we were watching the uh, Vanderbilt game last Saturday, and I was like, oh, Vanderbilt scored again. Okay. Yeah, I just – you know, after a while I just have to turn them off. You know, I watch for the first three quarters maybe, and I just get so sick of it. So, I can't stand it. So I'll name grab them here. Megan and Wesley Burnett, good friends of mine, and uh, – they had tickets to the, to the Mizzou game, and they were like, hey, do you want these? You know, we got a price. I was like, hey, if I, I'm going to charge y'all back if Derek Dooley beats uh, Tennessee. And I I mean, I was just joking because I thought there was no way the way Tennessee had been playing and everything. And then we got up there, me and I took my little sister, and I felt so bad after, like, the first quarter because I knew what was about to happen. But that's what I'm excited about, whether uh, than basketball or not here is that we might have, for the first time in 10 years, a confident football team on the horizon at mm-hmm. Tennessee. It just makes me happy. I spent a lot of money up there to watch them lose. Yeah, yeah, this is the first year I haven't attended a, a UT football game in probably the last 10 years. Yeah, see, I, I've went for 17 years in a row, at least one. And this year, we went to the Florida game, and I said, well, I'm not going back, because you know, they, they looked terrible. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess I got, by, I got excited again. And, uh, yeah, beat me in that table on the Mizzou game. So, tough, mm-hmm. tough, tough, tough. So, um, uh, I'm a big soccer fan, and I've been keeping up with some soccer stuff. The uh, MLS uh, playoffs happened here recently, and Atlanta, a South, South football team, soccer team, has made it to the MLS uh, finals. Uh, they had 70,000 people at their stadium for their uh, recent conference final playoff game and that's in america and that's crazy that they really took to you know that that team this is just their second year in the mls and they have really took off i think when nashville gets their mls team i'm a big soccer fan i've got season tickets to the nashville uh, uh usl soccer club and we me and my kids went to all the games this year and gonna go back next year i can't wait for soccer to get big in tennessee because you know my my youngest kid is a big soccer player uh, I won't say soccer star. He's just at nine years old, but he really loves it. You know, he likes to play constantly. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how much is involved in that sport. Uh, when Ethan King was over here when I was a senior in high school, we were all athletes, and he was just looking for athletes to play. And he was like, "Come on, just come try out for soccer." There's a few of us that played just strictly football, and uh, I was like, "Ah, oh, soccer. That's not anything. You know, this is this will be easy." And there's like, very, I went out there, my mind was blown. It's very technical. I, mean, yeah. I was like, "How do you?" How do you play this game? You know, like yeah. I had no clue what was going on. Yeah, there's a lot of people. That, there's a lot of people that say that. Well, if we just had LeBron James out there, we'd be the best soccer yeah. team in the world. No, that's not that how it works. That's you know, you, you got to have some ability, technical ability that you've honed over the last ten or fifteen years, uh, when you're twenty years old, to be any good. I got another one before we turn into other stuff. Did you watch the NFL game last night? No, I was okay. at soccer practice. So, I'm a big Tennessee fan. You have the Saints. Have has Kamara, Kamara. And uh, he's been on my fantasy team, too, so <laughs> obviously I'm hoping he's doing well. But terrible game to watch if you were just a fan of the game. 13 it was 13-10 yeah, game. Yeah, miserable. Yeah. And you were thinking with the, with the Saints, they put up 30 or 40. But they had a, a helmet-to-helmet hit on Kamara, and it's not just because it's him. It's dangerous. Football is from top to bottom, NFL down to the peewees. They've talked about, we're going to make this safer. Helmet-to-helmet hits are this. We're going to teach this, this, and this, and this. This is a flag. This is targeting. 
um, which is I feel like is the dumbest rule in college football because they don't know when to call it when not to call it. Um, they had a guy last night for the Cowboys. Kamara comes around the right side, goes up the sideline, and starting to step out of bounds. And the dude launches himself, uh, both feet off the ground, kind of like a, and hit him helmet to helmet, like the crown of the helmet, and knocked him out. Mm. He stands up and staggers and kind of thing, no flag. Mm. And so I'm thinking that you're trying to clean the game up. And yet they don't always call. And, and then you're missing, and it was blatant, like there was a side judge there and watched it. And then watched Kamara get up and kind of stagger, and you're thinking, Fifteen yard penalty. Well, maybe he was playing against Kamara in his fantasy league. Probably, maybe so. Yeah, he was like, "You're not going to beat me this." Year. But I mean, it's just one of those things. But that, and then I saw the day that uh, the Kareem Hunt uh, had got popped again for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Bright young star in NFL. One of those things that you can't do. And Absolutely. he's already been caught with caught for it once. And uh, when he was in college, he punched his pregnant girlfriend. And there was a big thing about him not getting drafted or falling down draft boards for that very reason. Chiefs took a chance. Has looked he looked really good last year. Has looked great all year long. They're a Super Bowl contender, and then he gets caught on video doing mm-hmm. it again, and that's a big big hit. So anybody's listening to this, if you're an athlete, there's some things you can't do, and that's definitely one of them. So before we uh, get to the Livingston Academy basketball, I got one more soccer thing. I'm a big soccer fan, and the Premier League in England is uh, the biggest yep. you know soccer league. And I don't know if if anybody listening to this is going to know what I mean when I say this, but this weekend is the North London Derby between my favorite team, Arsenal, and their hated rivals, uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So to to us big soccer fans, this is one of the biggest soccer games in the world for us. It's funny that we have rivalry here tonight, but I'm, there, and you can go with this. Is, is there is soccer rivals, are they, do they, don't they seem bigger? Than oh. like, it's more serious. Like I've seen people in England like brawl over at the stuff. At these games in, in England and stuff, they, you know, like when you go to a, a Tennessee game, you might accidentally sit next to a Florida fan yeah. sitting in somebody's seat. Yeah. That never happens at a soccer game the, in England. I had heard one time they banned them. Is that true? Well, they give them a certain section, and that's the only section they can sit in. They cannot sit anywhere else in the stadium, and they put uh, basically you know, referees or armed guards, whatever you want to call it, right. between the people in the stand so that they can't fight with each other. So it's like hockey in Nashville. Is I've got a friend who's a season ticket holder, and he's a diehard hockey fan, and if you notice on the schedule, when the Blackhawks come to town, it's always a Saturday. Mm. No, is that right? No, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's always they come to town on Tuesday because the fans from Chicago can't just get off work and, and drive down. Hey, and, uh, that that's a so, great experience. If no one's ever been to a hockey game in oh, Nashville, it's an yes. awesome experience. If you like, if you like, you may you may think it's boring to watch on uh, television, just like you may think soccer's boring to watch on television. I, I compared it to wrestling because I'm a big WWE fan, so. We went, and I watch it every now and then, but I go, to, every time there's a live show in Knoxville, Nashville, we'll go, because there's nothing, the crowd, the environment, and you're, and those guys are skilled, those guys and girls are really skilled, and same with hockey, like those, if you've ever, 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 ever been ice skating, try it, your ankles and knees will kill you for mm, the next week, yeah. and those guys are so good, it just looks so effortless, and then the crowd, the environment was what I liked, because like people were like, Ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Like, you say something about the Predators, you know, Austin Watson had the domestic or whatever earlier in the summer. If they, if somebody said something bad about Austin Watson, they might get knocked out. I don't know Just if you like – was you around last year when they had the uh, the uh, Nashville hockey playoff game on the big screen over at Central Park? No, I wasn't. That was not. a great experience. Me and my kids went to that. Awesome experience. I can't wait for it to happen again. And I hope it does because that was – the sport is really fun to watch, and it's like everything else. 
college basketball, end of the year, March Madness, it's great. So uh, NFL playoffs, college football playoffs, all, everything, anytime there's a playoff kind of atmosphere, that's when you know sports turn up. And to have Nashville, the Preds finally make that step, they made the Western Conference Finals and then made it to, to the Stanley Cup Finals. Those atmospheres, the way that it takes over the whole state, Absolutely. is like, all right, let's go. And so when I, when I saw that last year, I didn't know here at Central Park. I thought, hey, we've kind of. And I told the lady who's in charge of that. I said, you should do this more often with more sporting events that people care about. You know, if the oh. Titans make a playoff game. Could you imagine if the Tennessee Vols made the college football playoff? Like oh, how yeah. excited. I mean, there's a lot of bandwagon. I'll say it, bandwagon, Patriots, Alabama, Duke. All these fans are all of who's winning, but there's a ton of diehard Tennessee fans. That's oh, that place is. would be packed. It would be if you sold if you just sold popcorn and you know dogs and burgers and what people go there and just sit and to be interactive with to be, people. And you get to be you know it's kind of like going to a sports bar and, and watching a game. It's better to watch it with a group than it is kind of by yourself sometimes. I, I went one time to the and we'll finish this up. I went one time to the American Airlines Arena when the Heat and the Mavericks were playing in the finals in 2011 or something like that, and they were playing in Miami, and we were we was on a road trip and. I uh, was having them in Dallas the night of the game. So they had this big watch party. It was free. They streamed the game on the Jumbotron things, and then they had a, a, a projector somehow, some way, shooting it onto the floor. The place was sold out. It was free to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, it, your concession stands were open. The merchandise place was open. Everything was open, but free to get into. Speaking of watch parties, this summer during the World Cup, I went to Nashville. I happened to be in Nashville at a conference. And uh, England had a, a World Cup match that day, and I kind of snuck out and went to that and watched at this, this pub in Nashville of all this these England fans there, standing room only, and it was just such an awesome atmosphere. Yeah. I can't wait. 2026, World Cup, going to be in the United States. That's going to be awesome. I There's think a possibility gonna Nashville can host a game. Gonna host. How awesome will it'll, that be? If they build a new stadium and it's open by, what did you say, 2026? Yes. It should be open by 2026. Good Lord. Um, there's no no doubt in my mind. They'll get one. Um, Atlanta will get one at the Mercedes Benz, um, Georgia Dome. You would think Los Angeles will get one of the new stadium out there. Hey, as the uh, as the men in Blazers say, uh, soccer is the sport of America's future, and it has been since 1979. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. Oh man, that's good. Well, uh, that's a little roundup of this week in sports. And we'll be back to talk Livingston Academy sports right after this break. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show, currently the only Livingston Academy sports podcast recording in full 4K Ultra HD. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back on the Hog Eye Sports Show to talk some Livingston Academy basketball now. And since our last uh, recording with the great Craig Cantrell, who was our guest uh, on that episode. We've played several basketball games. We'll just start from uh, the first one and work our way up to the most recent. The first game that Livingston Academy played was against Warren County, and that was a split that night. Warren County uh, lost to Livingston Academy in the girls' game, and the boys... Uh, Warren County boys beat the Livingston Academy boys in the uh, boys game. So let's talk about those two games. The Warren County girls versus Livingston Academy girls. This game happened on Tuesday, November the 20th at McMinnville. Uh, pretty exciting girls game, Josh. Yeah, 39-38. So you know it's uh, one that went down the wire. Um, 
loose winds on a buzzer beater, correct? Yeah, buzzer so, beater, yeah. I mean, you like you like seeing that early um, because in a, in a previous team, you know, in Hall of Fame, they kind of get they didn't have they didn't have a close game. They, you know, they beat Jackson County unmercifully, and then a uh, good Cookville team, good decent county team, kind of, uh, but it's pretty good. So. You play Warren County, a close game with a young team. Again, people need to realize that we have one senior, um, and then she's and then Coach Reels playing a bunch of freshmen, and sophomores consistently, and obviously mm-hmm. juniors as well. Uh, but to have that test early, a, a, a close game on the road—that's a big thing for me. On the road, young kids, and they go down there and they win by on a buzzer beater, you know, by one. Um, I don't care how good or bad Warren County is um, to go on the road. The young team and find a way to win is big. And um, to start, you're, I mean, you to play at Hall of Fame games, they do count on your record, if, you know, uh, if you want them to, but they do count towards the 25 games you play, however it works out, whatever. But the, the real season starts and you start 1 0. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get that win there, big. So in that game, uh, Amy Rogers led the scoring for the Livingston Academy girls. She had 20. Points and she was the only Livingston Academy girl in double figures. The other scorers, uh, Cronk had five, Shaw had four, uh, freshman Webb had three, Hayes had two, and another freshman Qualls had two. Remember Keaton Webb's name while you're long because you're going to hear it a lot. Yes, absolutely. We'll get into that in a minute. But. So that was the scoring totals in the Warren County game for the girls. Uh, in the boys' game, the boys came up uh, just a little bit short. They lost the game that night, 49-54. to 54. Um, You'll never guess who the leading scorer was for the boys. <laughs> it's never hard. Matthew Sales led the way with 26 points. Two other Livingston Academy boys in double figures, uh, Jones and Ray, each had 10 uh, Carwile had two and Ayers with one point in that game to give Livingston Academy their total of 49. So, um, you know, uh, boys didn't get off on the right foot in that game. Uh, they had also lost the two Hall of Fame games uh, the last the Saturday before that. So that put their record at 2-2 two and two on the season. And that also made the girls' record after the Warren County game at two wins and two losses. Um, so, after the Warren County game, Livingston Academy goes down to Woodbury on the day after Thanksgiving and on the Saturday after Thanksgiving to play a couple of games against some uh, other teams from, you know, not in our normal uh, yeah, definitely. bag of, of uh, tricks that we normally play. So, on Friday, November 23rd, the Livingston Academy boys played... Boyd Christian, who Livingston had played before in the past. I don't remember what year, but they had played them in the past. So this was not their first ever meeting. But boy, what a meeting it was. Uh, Livingston Academy scored 100 points in this game. Do you have a, any clue on when the last time that was? Uh, yeah, there, there was a... Uh, Craig Cantrell said it on the radio. Imagine that. Craig knows yeah, when like it was. He, like, you know, like, I, I'd have to go back through the stats and look it up. There was a time here recently where we scored. I started to say a couple years ago, I think so. And the last time we we beat Kenwood, like in two thousand eight, unmercifully like that. But one hundred to thirty two was the score. <laughs> I played Boyd. What would be Boyd's feeder school one time? Let me just say they're pretty bad. And. Yeah, I, I kind of just uh, mentioned it to uh, the boys' coach there, Jimmy Miller, and, and he said, yeah, he said, we put the freshmen in early and left them in. 
uh, you know, uh, an amazing stat here. Every Living Center Academy boys basketball player played and scored in that game. That is pretty big. I mean, that is interesting because, I mean, you never – you don't hear that a lot. No. What when you have playing, what, 12 kids probably? Yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> – Everybody got some playing time, a lot of playing time. That's impressive. And that's – it gets, gets back on the winning side of things too, so – so, also that day, the Livingston Academy girls uh, played Siegel High School, a uh, AAA team out of uh, Murfreesboro, I believe, is where they're at, yeah. right? And Usually pretty good athletic school, too. And, and they, were, uh, they, they defeated Livingston Academy, Siegel did. Uh, the game was uh, relatively close throughout the entire game. Uh, at the end of each quarter, the first and second quarter, there was just a one-point difference between the two teams. And then Siegel started to pull away in the uh, second half and wound up winning the game by a final score of 67-63 to 63 over the L.A. girls. Uh, once again, Amy Rogers was the leading scorer for uh, Hall Guy. She had 24 points in the game. And again, Keaton Webb, there's a name to remember, as we've said. She had 13 points as the second leading scorer. Other scores, uh, Shaw with seven, Qualls with six, Hayes with six, uh, Colson with three, Cronk with two, and Hammonds with two in that game. Yeah, I know Coach Rill was upset with the defensive effort at times there, but uh, you already said it her name twice. I mean, Rogers having the way with 20, and then in that one, Webb steps up there, but they're going to have to have somebody else as well on uh, the way they're going to try to play, and that's a challenge. You know, to play Upperman tonight. Um, a challenge they're going to be successful. Amy can throw it in and get hers. We know that. It's obvious. Keaton's pretty good at getting hers. Either somebody else is going to have to step up and get theirs, or that combination of other people are going to have to step up and do something and put together. You know, it doesn't have to be an all-me show kind of thing, but you can't have guys and girls having, you know, two, and you be relying on them and, and then playing big minutes. So that was the Friday games in Woodbury, Tennessee. Beautiful Woodbury, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that. Then the very next day, Saturday, November 24th, they traveled back to Woodbury for a pair of games. The Livingston County boys played first against a team I've never heard of before, Hapeville Charter in Georgia, somewhere down around the Atlanta area, I Surprise. believe. There's, there's two million schools in that area. And uh, one thing I heard on the radio that Craig said was that their coach was going to put the WLIV stream on their website so that their fans could listen you know why? to Craig. Because he's a legend. That's right. <laughs> I mean, he needs to just to take it and he, go he's on. He's now an interstate legend. Everybody's down there is like, how much money is it that going to get to call the Falcons? <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, Livingston Academy versus Hapeville, Georgia game, Livingston Academy came out on top in that game by a score of 62-46. to 46. They were um, led in scoring by... Matthew Sales with 25, Cody Ray with 17, and Mitchell Ayers with 11, all in double figures. Also, Jones had five, McDonald with two, and Hollers with two. That may have been the first action Hollers had gotten this year. I'm not certain, but that's the first time his name first showed up, popped up yeah. on the score sheet. Same with them. Matthew's going to get his. Sorry. Um, you're going to have a Cody Ray pop in there, you know, or um, you had Caden Jones pop in one time. The key thing I, that I saw there was that the against Warren County, Mitch Layers, one point. Mm -hmm. 
if they have no inside presence with Mitchell, they're going to struggle. Matthew's going to, Matthew's going to draw all the attention. Absolutely. So if you're able to throw it in to where, to where the double's coming from constantly and he's able to score it, now you have to guard somebody. Mm. And that takes that pressure back off of Matthew where he's able to get 20-25. And it's, it's not easy, but it's easy. It's not against a double. So that's a big big key to that. And that's a that's a good team. They really are. I hate real teams. Yeah. They're pretty good in Georgia. Uh, they're, they're really athletic. So good win there. So also on Saturday, the L.A. girls played against – 15 years ago, the number one team in the nation, Shelbyville. Of course, it's not 15 years ago now, but uh, they were victorious over Shelbyville by a score of 52 to 34. We've beat, the LA girls have beaten Jackson County and Shelbyville in the same year. If, that, if this was 2005 or 2002, what a, what a yeah, exciting that's, that's pair of games that would have if been. If this was 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that game at a, at a Thanksgiving Classic. Right. I promise you that. That would have been a packed house at Livingston Academy or at Shelbyville or, or again with Jackson County. But um, but times change, and, you know, just like Tennessee football, things go up and down and cycle around. So, you just had to remind me, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> Shelbyville probably isn't the powerhouse they used to be. Neither is Jackson County this year. But Livingston Academy, both girls have beaten both teams. Uh, in, in the uh, Livingston Academy girls scoring for the, the game versus Shelbyville, Rogers again led the way with 13 points. Qualls coming in with the other double figures with 10 points. Uh, other scorers, uh, Shaw had eight. Webb had five. Hayes had five. Cronk with three. Smith with three. And Hammonds with two. So some uh, some some of the same names you've been seeing uh, throughout, but also a couple of new names on the score sheet this time. And that's how it has to look. That's how it has to look. It doesn't, it, I mean, he's going to lead the way most nights. Great. It needs to be somebody else. I think that when Annabeth Colson gets back healthy, when Hannah Hammonds gets back more healthy, those two are going to be big in what they try to do. Sure, more. Yeah, and then so you're able to lean on them a little bit. I think right now they're having to lean on some youth outside of Amy. And then you got Susanna Hayes starting to play well, getting her rhythm a little bit maybe. Um, team's got a lot of potential when they play like that. So to close out the uh, most recent basketball a pair of games that was played was on Tuesday, November the 27th, finally back to the friendly confines of Durward Vaughn Memorial Gym, where Livingston Academy played the Pickett County Bobcats in a pair of games. The girls' uh, game was a final score, Livingston Academy 50 and Pickett County 55, and Pickett County was a pretty good basketball team. They, uh, they got some excellent players, um, and it was a very physical physical basketball game. If, if you would have told me that the girls' game would have been a five-point game, and either way, don't care. I've got, kids, I've got four hey. players playing both, so you want that great. Um, if you told me it been a five-point game, especially with Livingston having a chance to win that one, this oh. early in the season, I'd have told you there's no way. The Livingston girls was, was right there at the end. They just made a mistake or two at the end that, that cost them. Uh, couldn't couldn't drain a bucket when they needed and to. And that's youth. That comes back to youth. If we're going to sit tonight, Upperman's got the better team. It's, there's not a doubt in my mind. No matter if it pains me to say that or not, it's the truth. They have a better team. Two-time defending state champions. Going to make the, probably the tournament this year. Um, 
the way that Coach Riddle and Coach Sales are, are coaching their kids, that's going to get them better. So get them right now. You better get them right now because by the end of the year, when they figure it out, they're talented enough and they're coached well enough to make noise. And Pickett County found that out. I think Pickett maybe not overlooked them, but knows they're all the kids know each other. They know that this is not a great strong year for Livingston Academy so basketball. So th- this is the eighth game in a row that Pickett County girls have defeated Livingston Academy. And girls. I believe that. And that's <clears throat> uh, we talked with Wade a couple weeks ago about some rules and that way it goes. Pickett County, that's all they do is basketball. Mm-hmm. They start. Coach Farrell doesn't in middle school. They play from August to March. They play AAU all summer. And then ninth graders that go up to Britt, they play constantly. They're always playing. They're always getting better. Um, there's not a you can't play on until September 1st kind of thing. It's you're going to play, you're going to get better. And they've had some good talent. And they've been able to develop it. And that's how you how you get better. You play. You have to go play. And I believe that with eight in a row. Let's talk about, so, so far every game I've given you the uh, scoring totals. Rogers has been the leading scorer for Livingston Academy. Well, that changed in this game. This time the leading scorer is Keaton Webb with 15. Rogers right behind her with 14. And Qualls also had 10 points in the game. That was the uh, t- three players in double figures, also scoring for Livingston Academy. Cronk with six, Gene with three, and Hayes with two to give Livingston Academy their total of 50. So the Livingston Academy boys played uh, right after the girls against Pickett County, and they came away with a big win over uh, the Bobcats by a final score of 64 to 40 or 64 to 50. And um, Matthew Sales, again, leading the way with a 30-point total. Also in double figures, Caden uh, Jones with 13 and Cody Ray with 10. That's success. Matthew gets his. Mm-hmm. Everybody else kind of, kind of just chip in. And now as guards, of course, I think Caden's uh, a forward. But... But somebody else on the perimeter now, again, that double comes from Matthew. We're all looking at Matthew. And it's like, and it's by, no way, by no means when I say this, is he LeBron. But it's like watching LeBron play. All eyes go to LeBron. And they're forgetting about this guy over here. When this guy over here is a threat and he scores, and he's, that's when those LeBron things are really good. Well, yeah, so, Jordan had Pippen. Exactly. Yeah. And so with Matthew... All eyes are always going to be on Matthew. If Cody Ray, Mitchell Layers, Nick, or Nick, that's his brother, Caden Jones, uh, Kyle Allen, all these guys, and I'm just throwing out random names. Well, uh, some other score. Let me finish that up. Uh, Will McDonald had five points in the game, so and, another and, inside presence. And, and Wade talked about him being a, a pretty good dead eye shot. He's a, he had a little mid range game. When Kyle those, Allen had four points. There in you the go. Game. And so when those guys are a threat, let me. We're going to see tonight too. This is a big test coming up. We've got Upper tonight. Big district game. When those guys are a threat, fun to watch, fun basketball team, and they're going to need to be a threat tonight. That's a big win against Pete County. Pete County will make a run at the tournament. I'm not going to say they're going to get in the tournament in single A. They're going to make a run at it. And to get that win early, obviously you got to go on the road in a month and do it again. But it's a good win for a team that's uh, been up and down so far. Got the football guys back, probably get them in the rhythm. Um, big yeah, win. Uh, Hollers, Hollers had, a, had some kind of – Wrapping on his hand, he didn't get to play in this game. I don't know if he'll be back for the Upperman game or not, but uh, that'd be another another player to throw in the mix when he gets fully healthy. 
And we got a Coach Miller, great basketball coach. Coach Kennard, great basketball coach. And that's, I mean, that's a good. That's a good win. I look at that over and over and over. That's not just a win; it's a fourteen-point win. So, uh, current current records: uh, Livingston Academy girls are at three wins and four losses on the season, and the Livingston Academy boys are at four wins and three losses on the season. Uh, tonight versus Upperman will be the first district game of the season. It's a home game here at Durwood Vaughn Memorial Gym. We also play at home versus DeKalb County next Tuesday night before we go on the road for three straight games and then go play in some Christmas tournaments in Gatlinburg and then after Christmas in uh, Albany, Kentucky and Lafayette, Tennessee. So that's the upcoming schedule. Uh, we're going to wrap this segment up now and we'll be back to talk about the uh, Livingston Academy and Upperman basketball game right after this. Hey, Hogeye fans. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out who this week's Hogeye Sports Show sponsor will be. Now back to the show. And we're back for another segment on the Hogeye Sports Show. Uh, We're going to talk the most recent game for the Livingston Academy basketball teams, which was against the Upperman Bees, which has become the biggest rival, according to the new generation, for uh, Hall Guy. So uh, tonight at Livingston Academy's Durward Bond Memorial Gym, Livingston Academy played the Upperman Bees to a split decision. In the opening game, the Livingston Academy girls fell to the Upperman Bees by a final score of 42-62. to 62. Josh, what are some of your thoughts from that game? Well, you kind of figure that's how it would go. The final score is what you thought it would be. Um, it was how it got there. The score is going to tell you that Upperman dominated the game um, from start to finish, and it was never close, and it was always at 20. And it wasn't. There was a point in the third quarter, uh, Livingston trail by eight, and I looked up, and Amy Rogers still hadn't even scored. Um, Amy has an off night, um, but I thought Keaton Webb played well. Um, Allie Qualls had a good night. Kaylee Asbury um, came in and made two or three threes in big moments, and I think it was like a 10-point, 11-point game at halftime. And 11. 11. So um, I had said to somebody beside me, you know, they're in this thing, a young team that I'm not trying to be mean by any means, but doesn't really know the moment, doesn't really know the situation of the game and how big that game is. Um, and they're in the in the game. But you just run out of gas at the end. Urban has a little bit more experience. Uh, they shoot the absolute crap out of it. Um, the Brooks girl – when she steps across in the volleyball line, the kids in, in range. Then um, the, the Hurst girls gotten better. Uh, Levy, I, I thought that she, or I guess Levy, I thought she would actually start um, this season. I guess it's one of those things, freshman and earning her minutes. But I thought she played well. Uh, there are two big post players. Uh, McClellan's athlete, um, you know, didn't really do much offensively, but defensively enough to bother Hayes and Rogers, you know. And then the big system girls they bring off the bench. Um, again, I think she affected the game uh, with Amy. Amy never got on the board of the third quarter. And by then, uh, that was the game was kind of already settled. At that point, it was one of those things as it went to the fourth, we knew Upperman was going to take the win just by how much. But one thing that I noticed, and you've seen them play a bunch, this Livingston group plays hard. They keep playing. Um, even at the end, kids were on the floor diving for loose balls, things like that. And it's a 20-point game. And so 
I've said it before, I'll say it again, this, this team's young, one senior, and you've got to give them time to grow. And tonight, yes, the, the, the total looks like it was a blowout, but it was a lot closer than that. Um, I'm sure somebody like Mike will disagree with that. You know, it's, it, the score says different. Um, but anybody that watched the game tonight knows that pretty good basketball game for three quarters. Yeah, uh, so leading scorer for Livingston Academy girls tonight, Susanna Hayes with 11 points. Yeah, and I thought she was very good early. They went to her early, and she was able to find a little bit of a mismatch early. But then when Upperman adjusted, she kind of went away. I think she had nine in the first half or something like that. And so it was one of those things that she got going early, but then as the game crept later and later and later, kind of went away. And that's youth. That's not knowing the moment and not, I guess, I don't know how to say it, not being prepared for that situation. You're not prepared to be the workhorse at all times. And that's something this team has to do. They have to step up and make plays at all times, know that their number's going to be called, and make something happen when their number is called. So uh, Hayes was the only uh, Livingston Academy player in double digits. Other scorers, uh, Qualls had eight. Uh, Asbury and Webb, both with six. And then probably her lowest output of the season, uh, Rogers with four. Uh, Jean with a three. And Cronk and Hammonds also with a basket each, giving us a total of 42 points. So, um, you know, first uh, district game, and Livingston comes up short. But, hey, you got to get back into it on uh, Tuesday night against DeKalb County, another good team who beat uh, York tonight. They didn't County York, Girls. they thumped York. And that's surprising. Um, I said earlier in the year when we did this thing that I thought York was the most talented team. Um, but the Cab County, they play hard, shoot a lot of threes, and hey, when it's your night, when they're going in, I mean, you're going to beat people to death. Speaking of so. thumpings, um, <laughs> Macon County girls defeated Smith County girls by a score, I think, of 51 to 18 tonight. I mean, you watch this team play tonight over here, you know that Upperman is going to be probably a top two team in District 8. And so. To hold your own for three and a half quarters is really what it was. To hold your own for three and a half quarters with a young team, you've got to feel really good as a basketball fan sitting over watching this team play. And so you see Smith kind of, you, you feel like that's a win. Watertown's going to be a win. You know, if you can find well, I believe uh, Watertown beat Cannon tonight in their first game. Uh, See, so there you go. So you, you start looking and you start thinking, you know what? This is a team that could finish in the top half of the district. That needs to be the goal. Finish in the top half of the district. Try get in a region play with this young team and keep extending and getting minutes and games, being able to practice, and that's the way they're going to get better. It's they're only going to get better as the season goes along. I mean, with as many freshmen, and she plays nine or ten kids, and I think that bothered Upperman was that they were having to guard so many different people. I mean, you're rotating people in and out, in and out, in and out, and it's early in the year. You don't really know what everybody does yet, and I and this Livingston thing is still a mystery. Absolutely, I mean, I have no yeah. clue. I mean, I know, I know Keaton's a scorer. I know that Amy's a scorer. I know that Susanna's a scorer. But then everybody else is just like a question mark. What can they do? And very talented. You've got shooters galore. You've got kids that can get their own shot. But they just have to step up and do their job. And I think by, you know, end of January, Coach Riddle and Coach Sales are going to preach that enough that they're finally going to get it and say, all right, I'll do it. Hope so. Yeah, we, we can hope that surely they'll improve as the season goes along. The freshmen get, you know, older and, and more yeah, uh, more playing time in the big leagues. and. Uh, you know, like you say, hopefully get to the region, get a top four finish in the district tournament. So, uh, Livingston Academy girls' record now falls to three wins and five losses on the season with a zero and one record in District 8AA. 
So moving on to the Livingston Academy boys versus the Upperman Bees uh, tonight. Livingston Academy started off uh, lights out. I believe I, I talked to the uh, uh, Upperman bookkeeper and they said that Livingston shot 50% from the floor in the first half. That might have. That would that would only surprise me if you said eighty percent in the first half. <laughs> it was sixty I something from three point range. It was nuts, and it was Matthew Sells and Cody Ray. That we talked about before when it's got to be more than Matthew. And in the first half, it was Cody Ray. There was a hustle play, and I'm sure you're going to know where I'm going with this. There's a loose ball. Caden Jones goes drives the rim, gets shot blocked, misses whatever. He gets an offensive rebound. They knock it away from him. Ball goes on the floor. He dies on the ball. like that. And I'm sitting there right in front of me, and they are just fouling the crap out of him, like beating him <laughs> to death. And he's trying to grab it, trying to grab it. And he grabs it, and he flips it to Matthew Sales. Yeah. A, a breaking Matthew Sales that sees what's going on, grabs it, lay up, and Bobby has to call timeout right there. Big play. And that was early. That's like an 11-2 game at that point. But you knew right then. Like, oh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. Yeah. The, the tempo was set early for Livingston County. They, play, they came out playing hard. I think it was something that I really didn't expect for some reason. Don't know why. For rivalry game, got to be prepared early. And Livingston set the tone early. With, ooh, they were nice. So at, at halftime, Livingston had a commanding lead, 20-point lead, 45-25. to 25. And Upperman did, you know, make a run as, you know, Sports Center as everyone always does All in basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And they got it back to within 10 points, I believe, at, at one point in time in the third quarter there. The, the key to that, and again, back to Morton Matthew, is that Matthew had 19 through, I think it was 17 minutes of play. And so, you know, we're rolling. Cody Ray's playing well. Caden Jones playing well. But then in the third quarter, in the middle of the third quarter, everybody started watching Matthew play. Everybody starts standing around or maybe maybe they're trying to do too much, you know, with the dribble create and then find Matthew. Well, they're not – they don't care. That Elkman doesn't care for you to go score. They don't want Matthew to score. When you're forcing it to him, and he's having to force up something in a double team, you know, you're not going to have success there. So uh, that, I thought that was when they made the run because we forced into Matthew. Matthew took a couple tough shots. Yeah. Probably something cool he wants back. Yeah, cooled off a little bit. Upman got a couple runouts, a couple layups, and then he, like you said, cut to 10. And I'm doing Facebook Live for the news, and I'm sitting there thinking, here's this run. Here's the game everybody came to see, mm. you know. But then good teams, guess what, make runs. Yeah. Made a run. But uh, Livingston was able to uh, keep their commanding lead and win the game with a final score of 68-52. to 52. Uh, Leading score for Livingston Academy with probably, I don't know if it's his third or fourth 30-point game of the year so far, but it's several. Uh, 31 points for Matthew Sales. And <clears throat> also in double figures, Cody Ray with uh, 13 points and Mitchell Ayers with 11 points. Uh, also scoring, uh, only the five starters scored in the game. Also scoring, Caden Jones with nine, and Will McDonald with four points. Will McDonald had a nice game, sneakily. You know, he had a couple big rebounds. Um, I might have got he's more than a quarterback. I mean, I thought he, I thought he played well. Yeah, he's he's the best thinking, McDonald since Ronald. <laughs> yeah, we'll go we'll go with that. That's for sure. And not and not as big of a clown. Yeah, but no, I mean, I thought he had a good game. Uh, four points. That's that's what he's got to do. Um, I talked to Coach Riddle on the girls' side after the game, um, just just talking, and we talked about how you know Amy's going to get hers, and, and you know a couple of them's going to get theirs, and Keaton Webb and 
maybe Allie or whoever that third person is, Susanna Hayes, whatever. But then somebody else has to step up. And uh, and we talked about that before with the boys. Matthew did his job. Then Cody Ray had a nice game tonight. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Ayers had a pretty nice game tonight. Somebody else has to just keep going. Ayers was great down in, inside, rebounding. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I thought know, his had de- a big presence in his, the His in defensive the presence bothered Upperman a ton. Him just being there, uh, the McWilliams, the 25th McWilliams kid they've got, <laughs> They all they all played and they're all really good players, good people. Um, I, I just joke when, when I was say the that. last year. Uh, Upper my boys didn't have a McWilliams on the team. Well, the oldest one is a couple years younger than me. I think he's twenty three. So it's been that long. So it's worse than the Ramsey run for living. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's four of them. So you had Tyler wow. and Kobe, and then Austin, and then this is Jace, and he's a pretty good player. And I think he may be a freshman, maybe a sophomore. Not sure. I don't keep up with it enough to know. But Mitchell being in there doing his job caused him not to be able to get a rim and finish. Um, so hats off to – and not just Mitchell, Will as well. Will did a good job too uh, inside. Inside yes. there. Um, I mentioned mentioned Caden Jones. I was – you know, I don't get to see a lot of kids play a lot anymore being gone. But you, you know when you're coming in and Matthew's going to do his thing. I was impressed with Caden. Just the hustle plays, and that's what they're going to need. They need a spark. They lost – they lost the spark last year or to graduation with Carter Hayes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Caden Jones is Carter Hayes and putting up numbers like that not by no means. But the spark was that. In a, in a crucial moment, Carter got a steal or a run out. It made it just a play happen. Now, whether he scored, scored the ball or not, he was aggressive and it was fun to watch. Tonight, Caden Jones was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And when, that, when you've got that guy feeding the ball to Matthew or making plays and where Matthew gets his you know, opportunities, you know, off of that, they're going to be very good. That's a team right there that plays right there that's going to win the district if they play like that. Now, you look at the schedule in the cab, you know, going to be pretty good. Smith making a um, big one will be will be York coming to town, mm-hmm. you know, in January. Then you got to make return trips to all these places. Um, but a team that plays like that can win the district. Absolutely. Uh, I thought they played excellent. Yeah, that's one, of the, that's one of the better games I've seen that group play, without a doubt. And yeah, so we, our prognostication of York being the team to beat in the district, of course they could still be. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but just with this one game, you know, what have you done for me lately? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Livingston looked pretty pretty good tonight. You, and you say that you know, the five, five stars want to score, let them, whatever. They've got a bench there that has to step up at some point. You know, you're going to get in the game. You know, you've got to make something happen when you're in there. And – these guys are such good athletes, you know, that they're in pretty good shape, but they can't play 32 minutes a game all year long, and in February you still have the same legs. So you've got to find a way to get Matthew two minutes a game on the, you know, on the bench, take a breather. Yeah. And that's going to come from those guys on the bench coming up and playing those two minutes a game. That's all we need. You know, give him a break, get his, get him, you know, splash a Gatorade and a, and a breath and get him, get him back out there. But, um that team right there is fun to watch. They, I was really shocked that they played zone. Um, really shocked because of how well everyone usually shoots it. And they didn't shoot it tonight well, so they didn't have to come out of it. Um, so you're able to rest legs. And I guess when you're playing, you know, playing five, you know, consistently. I think seven total players. Yeah, so in the seven game. total. When you're playing that few players, a zone's nice. You ain't got to sit down and guard somebody for 40 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, man to man to move your legs all the time. Pretty good, pretty good day. So that's good win, good win for Linus Academy tonight. Good crowd. Thought the crowd was, uh, I, you know, I compared them to the funeral crowd a couple, <laughs> couple weeks ago. Maybe they listened and heard it because I thought the crowd was good. 
Um, it actually felt like a good big environment for basketball, and that's what this this especially the girl well both sides, young kids these kids especially deserve to have a crowd. You know uh, something I, I kind of like there in the fourth quarter. Livingston's up by a big lead, and and they milk the clock for quite a bit of time. Yeah, I like seeing yeah. that. There's no shot clock in. Uh, and you know, Upperman did that to Upperman girls did that to Livingston a couple of years ago in the district tournament, and I thought that was kind of a little bit of a payback there to say, hey, we're just going to stand here and, and dribble around until you you can't take it away from us. Well, and I think a lot of that's too is that that was the point where Upperman made that little mini run. We're going to take the air out of it for a minute. We're going to get our wits about us and figure out what we want to run. Uh, Coach Miller, I think we scored off that finally. Um, I think it was maybe Caden Jones that scored. Um, but you get what you want. You know, if you can take a minute and a half off the clock right there and kill the run without using a timeout and get finally get a bucket to break the run and stop the run, it's a big deal. And I really, I, I do, I like that Lucas and Cameron team that play tonight. If that one shows up a lot, it's two two good wins in a row right there. Uh, going back Tuesday night playing Pickett. Um, so you know if they can string together a couple more and get into the break. Or get back to Peak County. You, you you look at that schedule. DeKalb's a team that Livingston should have the upper hand on Smith as well. You go to Macon, and then you go to Pickett. So those are gonna be two big games on the end there. Um, but if you can keep that run into Christmas, on the boys' side, you know. Yeah, that's their fourth win in a row, uh, and gives them a overall record of uh, five wins and three losses, and now a one and O record in District Eight AA. So they're definitely tied for the lead in District 8 yeah, right nothing, now with half the other teams. Nothing else. <laughs> you know, and, and you look ahead, uh, talked about boys, girls. Um, you're looking ahead. you got you got the Cab County Tuesday night. Um, lost the shooter, A.G., to a knee. That'll be the next two, this coming Tuesday night, uh, November, or December the 4th. That's the uh, last home game until January the 5th. For the Livingston Academy basketball yeah, team. So, so uh, if anybody's listening to this and you got plans to come watch a game, that's your last chance to watch in the calendar year of 2018. Yep. Rumor going around, going around, give out a thousand dollars for Christmas. So you better <laughs> show up. Um, just tell them I said it, and they'll all laugh at you. But you look at the schedule for the girls' side. Girls play the cab. Cab thumped York tonight. So who knows? I mean, this this might be wild. This may be one of those. We, we look back in February. And go, oh. Could be four or five losses for almost every team. I think Macon. I think Macon's going to run a table pretty easily. But that uh, that Upman team out there, yes, they're good. Coach McWilliams and her staff did a great job. No denying that. But they're it's not. Though. But it's not last year's yeah. Upman team sitting there. You know, <laughs> it's just not. And you lose a player like that to Mizzou. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. You're not going to replace her. You know, just the way it is. So you you just got to get some wins to get up the Cavs. A winnable game. It's here. Uh, they, they're going to shoot the crap out of you, live and die by a three. But then you look at Smith County, Smith County team that's rebuilding. You think that you'd have a really good shot to go get a win there. Then you play Macon, you know, so you want to kind of just – you want to have some kind of momentum going to Macon County and then to close out before the Christmas tournament to, at, at Pickett, a team that you took to five here. Probably going to get a Pickett's best shot mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you look at you start looking at that schedule, you want to see a, you want to see a win Tuesday night at home. Uh, for the, against the Cab County and then on the road at Smith, and you'll start feeling really good about yourself. I feel like as they put you to five wins, and then you know if you can get to Christmas at five and seven, right at five hundred, and playing a, a pretty good schedule so far, you got to feel pretty good about it because you're going to get probably three wins over Christmas at least. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, so last year you go to Albany and win that tournament up there. So 
Uh, and that's where I'm going again this year. So let's say you go in it again, you get to 10 wins before, you know, the turn of the year. Now you start looking really good. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, uh, I think that will do it for this uh, segment. Uh, we've uh, covered Pick Uberman and the uh, upcoming games for the basketball teams. And we'll be back to wrap up this episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show right after this. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Today's episode is made possible by me, because I'm the one who pushed the record button. Now back to the show. And that will do it for this episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show. Uh, on our next episode, we hope to have another uh, guest speaker, this time over in County News sports writer Mac McLeod. We're going to try to get to join us and talk about uh, his life as a sports reporter. Uh, he's got some great stories he could tell us, and we might also ask him about uh, the upcoming possible new football stadium that might be built at Livingston Academy in the next few uh, months to years. We'll get Mac in here, and we'll have – the, we'll have the greatest sports writer of all time for over the county in here, and I'll let you decide who it is, me or him. <laughs> I'll tell you who it is. No, but he's he's got stories galore. Mac from Clemson, South Carolina, he used to cover Clemson. He'll probably say that a million times. Uh, his good buddy, Kelly Yarborough, uh, he's got NASCAR stories for day. Great, great man. He's so knowledgeable, been in Livingston now for 10, 15 years, and um, – you know, he knows knows a lot about Livingston Athletics, made a lot of friends over here through the years, just like everybody else over here in, in the media, made a lot of enemies too. Um, but I, I'm really interested to hear what he has to say about this upcoming stadium thing. Um, you know, we saw, if you paid attention to the County News this past week, they're talking about building that thing. Destroying the current stadium, thank the Lord, next year after the season's over. But then they're going to hum haul around for some reason. I guess it's architects and engineers, and waiting to build to start building it until February of 2020, and hope to have it completed by October to December of 2020. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not very good with my months and days and years, but I believe football season starts in August. We may just have ten away games next year. I mean, well, it'll be the next. And. I'll tell you something. That I, well, you know what? If we're gonna do that, we're gonna have a really good football team next year. Let's just tear it down this year. And if we're good enough to go on the road for ten games. That's fine with me. But if you gotta wonder, like if that's if that's actually the plan, one, are we serious right now? And two, like what are we gonna do? And so I'll be interested to see what Mac has to say about that. Um, this maybe may, the maybe the longest podcast in history. Well, we may have to break it into uh, a couple of different episodes. Oh yeah, if you ever get him going for sure. <laughs> but I mean, but in all seriousness, I mean he's got enough stories and knowledge of, and just stuff he's done in Overton County in sports to probably do three or four or five podcasts for sure. Absolutely. And we, I would like to get him and Craig Cashman here together, and we probably wouldn't get a talk. Sports Roundtable, the the sports reporters. Well, we'll just, yeah, we're the, and we're the sports experts, by my mind. Maybe call it Inside the Line. There. Inside <laughs> the line. Well, yeah. So uh, we would like to thank all of our loyal listeners for tuning in uh, to our podcast. And we will remind you that you can get in touch with us by emailing us at hogeyesports at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Sports. We have a new Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Show. This week's Hogeye Sports Show sponsor has been Big Kahuna Burgers. They are a tasty burger. <laughs> 
So for Josh Scott, this is Michael Johnson, and we will see you on the next episode.